whatever really happened to dudes calling each other best friends? Dave and John grew up in the 80s in New Jersey, and they did everything together. They were the quintessential best friends until they became teenagers and Dave moved away. Fast forward to today, and these two 40-somethings reconnected and decided to not only be besties again, but to put on a podcast and share their reunion with anyone who will listen. Welcome to Fat, Dumb, and Happy. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of Fat, Dumb, and Happy. I'm Jonathan, one of your hosts, and i got here with me David as well, childhood bud to best friend to reconnecting as best friend. Tonight, we have an awesome topic we're super duper excited about talking about because we're going to be talking about 80s movies, and these are movies that have literally stood the test of time for us because the majority of these movies came out when we were six, and I will still watch them at least four or five times a year. You know, I'm just really excited for this topic. So just as a refresher, guys, we are called Fat, Dumb, and Happy for a reason. Within our show, we take those three topics and we will do something related to fat. So food, right? We like to eat. And so we'll all pick something for tonight's theme out of one of the movies or two of the movies that we watched. Okay. And then in addition to that, the dumb part is we know these movies back and forth. So, and we've done a little bit of research. So we're going to highlight some of the Awesome and maybe unknown things for you guys about some of these classics. The happy part, man, we're just going to have a good time. We're going to do this. We're going to laugh. And we're just going to remember how great these movies are. Okay. And then tonight, we've got a guest expert, Ben. Not sure about the expert part, but. So, all right. So some of you uh, repeat listeners may remember hearing from our guest expert, Ben Tavander, my bro. We're happy to have him on again. You know what? The fans have spoken. We've heard from our fans. They want Ben to be a third bro host. They want him to be a permanent fixture. But you know what? He can't give up the title of guest expert. He just loves to be called that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but for real, Ben Ben's our guest expert tonight, and we'll probably see him on most episodes for sure. We want to have him on, but he'll always be our special guest expert in our hearts and in real life, too. He's got four more years of 80s movies experience, for one. There's also a popular YouTube channel that you may have heard of called Cinema Therapy. Ben's got a little bit of a therapy background. I'm not putting him on the spot to use any of that, but he does have a therapy background as an expert too. And so maybe there's some things he can apply to some of the movies we talk about tonight. But yeah, he's our guest expert. And we're glad to have him. How are you doing tonight, Ben? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Hey guys, so just a quick comment. You know, uh, these movies we loved growing up back in the 80s and they bring back the nostalgia for sure. Just a heads up, if you want to watch these again with your kids, you know, you can always look up the parent guide and, you know, IMDb has it. I think other sites will tell you what's the content. Um, it may have been a while since you've watched and there's a little bit of language or things like that that are in there that uh, you might want to look out for. And, you know, there are also uh, editing platforms, you know, VidAngel, um, things like that, ClearPlay that you can use to watch it with your kids. Anyways, just want to keep this a uh, you know family friendly podcast. Of course, these movies aren't perfect that way, but they are great movies. We love them. So, anyways, just a quick heads up there. Awesome. So now we're on to my favorite part of the episode of every episode, which is the fat part where we're gonna eat something. You know, we picked a couple of our favorite '80s movies. This is so hard. There's so many stinking good '80s movies, you guys. This is impossible pretty much, but we each picked a couple and then we picked some food that goes with it. So for me, two words, Abe Froman. And if you know Abe Froman, 
then you know what I'm going to eat and you know uh, what movie it's from. So who knows? What is it? What am I eating? Oh, you got some sausage, man. You must. Sausage Sausage. The Sausage King of Chicago from (laughs) Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I got some sausage here. So this is kind of sad. You know, I moved um, from San Antonio, Texas. Texas has some barbecue sausage, right? That is, it's it's it. It's the good stuff. Um, so now I live in Utah, which is cool. I love it. And it's close to family. That was like the main reason why we came out here. But I got some wannabe Texas sausage. But we'll see how it goes. It's from Famous Dave, actually. You guys ever been to Famous Dave's? Yeah. It's a chain that's around, so. Yeah, it's good, but it's it's not Texas barbecue, but it's good. That's not yeah, it's not Texas barbecue, but it is good. It's got a nice bite to it. It's got a little zing. And then they gave me some of this. It's called Devil's Spit. Have you guys ever had that sauce? Yeah. Good luck I'll with that. A bit of that. You don't like it? I'm a barbecue yeah. sauce fan, so I'm I'm down. But yeah. So back to the movie. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. You guys will talk about it a little bit more later, but um he pretends to be Abe Froman to get into a fancy restaurant and he just sees the name on the list. He has no idea who it is, but Abe Froman is the sausage King of Chicago. Apparently if you Google Abe Froman now, there's an actual website called sausage King of Chicago.com. And there's an actual sausage King of, of Chicago. And it's not Abe Froman. I mean, like this is like history and he was like a businessman, political candidate and murderer. <laughs> so Kind of some background to uh, the sausage and to Abe Froman. Um, kind of crazy. My other food, it was kind of more loosely tied to the movie, but I got a chocolate malt. So my other movie that I picked is Back to the Future. And, you know, they go to the cafe, they go to the, the malt shop in that movie. And I just like chocolate malts. I kind of got an old person's, like, palate. I like chocolate malts. I like black licorice. Kind of weird, but it's all good. So, and John's gagging for those of you that can't see him at home. I like yeah. both things. Do, do you not like malts, dude? Or are you just, is no, that no. just the black? I love part? malts. And you're right. It's an old person thing. My dad loves malts too. But um, no, black restaurant, like dusting in should be outlawed. <laughs> I always got Ben's black licorice uh, jelly beans growing up. I'd be like, I'll take them. <laughs> but you, you don't mind them too much either, do you, Ben? No, I, I like them too. But, but yeah. sometimes yeah. back then, especially back then, I think I'd. Like my least favorite. <laughs> I feel like your house is the only place I ever had black licorice. Yeah. Yep. I still I still like good and plenties. I still like that yeah, stuff. But me too. I just had some this week. Did you? Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Awesome. So that's the that's the foods I brought. Those are the movies that I'm gonna talk more about later, but um we'll pass it back over to uh to John. What do you got going on? All right. So if you <laughs> it's weird because this movie didn't do super super great in the theaters but it had like a huge cult classic following afterwards um so i'm just gonna i'm gonna quote a line from the movie and you can tell me what movie i'm doing this from so tonight we have franch fries franch (laughs) dressing franch bread and to drink ta-da peru (laughs) and for the record i do have French bread here and the Perrier. Nice. And nice. I also have, this might also help think of Claymation hamburgers. What movie am I doing? Better Off Dead. Love it. Better Off Dead. Yes, sir. Is there anything crawling yeah. off your plate? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> you like raisins. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> yeah, we'll talk more about her in just a moment. But yeah, so I'm going to be doing better off there. And then uh, my second choice tonight was um, one of my other personal favorites, The Princess Bride. How about you, Ben? What do you got going on? Well, I got two movies. Um, one was easy to pick for, the other not so much. The, so Spaceballs, um, I got Pizza the Hut. <laughs> some pizza here. Love it. And, and then for War Games, I'm... I don't I don't know this for sure, but my guess I have like a pretty strong feeling that every single actor in that movie has eaten pizza before. So, <laughs> yep, I'm sure that's <laughs> safe. <laughs> you know, another thing that you can have from Spaceballs, air. <laughs> I thought about that. <laughs> Perry <Canada> air. <laughs> Perry air. Yeah, that's awesome. Go with my great movies, great picks, great food. How is your French bread, John? I haven't gotten there yet. I'm still on the fries. <laughs> nice. I'll get there, though. It's nice and soft. Awesome. All right. So <clears throat> let's get into these movies because we got a lot to talk about here. And I'm going to kind of kick it off because I wanted to be very thorough. And I rewatched these movies so I could do my little research, even though I pretty much know them off the top of my head. And for some reason, uh, I know we're not talking about it tonight, but, um, you know, Dave and I go back and forth a lot about Harry Potter. And we talk about, you know, things that we notice because we always try to notice something new in that movie every time we watch it. Mm-hmm. This time when I watch Better Off Dead, I think it's starting to hurt my enjoyment of movies because I start to <laughs> look, look for things that, that bother me. I did come up with a few and I'm not going to lie. So let's just get right into it. <clears throat> Better Off Dead, for those who don't know, it's about a high school kid played by John Cusack. Um, and he in the, the storyline of it is that his... Uh, six uh, girlfriend of six months breaks up with him and you know he loses all hope and he thinks you know not living would be better and obviously we know um, you know what happens in the movie but as far as uh, some things that I came across so I'm sitting there watching it and look I've played Paperboy on Nintendo and I was pretty good man I could get him in the mailbox I could get, throw it at the door I, I was great I even <laughs> used to do a paper out with my mom back in the day okay so what really bothered me is in this movie. So in the very beginning, the very first scene, you know, the dad wakes up in a panic, right? Love it. Puts on his wife's little uh, night, night shirt thing and um, (laughs) runs outside because he could tell the paper boy was coming. He just had that feeling. And you, you take a look at his garage and they pan over from the right all the way to the (laughs) left. Every window is broken. And so my first thought was this dude has got immaculate aim for a kid. To do so that good. from his bicycle to hit every single one of those windows except for this last one. And of course, the dad is trying to make it prevent him from doing the last one. Now, if you've seen the movie, you know, it might not dawn on you right away, but this just caught my attention is that these windows on his garage are like chest high. Yeah. And so <laughs> so he's he's out there in his, his wife's nightgown and he's got this little key to open up the garage and and, and lift it up. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, what in the world does he have to lift up the garage for when he could just literally block the paper? Yep. yep. Yeah, he could just <laughs> swat it right out of the air. And so I'm just like, all right, so that part bothered me. I'm not going to lie. He didn't have karate kid skills. <laughs> yeah, he true. must not. I mean, it wasn't accounting <laughs> or something like that. So freaking paid the right, fence and... on that thing. <laughs> all right. And then the second thing that kind of bothered me this go around was, and please, if you've never seen this movie, don't let this take away from your wanting to watch it because for those that are listening it's a great movie um 
But uh, as far as his, he's got a little brother who coincidentally he's seen in the movie several times, but he doesn't have a single line in the movie. So his little brother's name is Badger and he plays this like genius, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So one of his things that he likes to do is he'll cut the coupons off of like cereal boxes while they're still being used. So he doesn't wait for the yeah. cereal to be finished and then you, but what I noticed was the cereal just falls out of the box. Why is it in a bag? Why does it <laughs> yeah. just fall straight out of a box? Okay. Yeah. So I was like, all right, what's up with that? And then, so for Christmas, the dad puts up brand new windows on the garage and he's all proud of them. And for some reason he has to use a stepladder and I just don't get it. I'm back to, I can't get off this thing with the height of the windows because they're like just right here, man. <laughs> Yeah, like, they're not it. high. Why do you need a stepladder for that? Um, but one thing that was really interesting about this whole thing is John Cusack didn't want to do this movie. He thought it was stupid. He thought the director was dumb at what he was doing and it wasn't very good. Um, when they did a screening for it, he walked out 20 minutes in. Um, and he was just kind of upset about it. And they still had, he was, John Cusack was financially or, or contractually obligated to do another movie which was kind of the sequel to this one which was one crazy summer um and then so i'm just gonna go through a couple things uh, that i found interesting on imdb real quick and the first was um a lot of how a lot of this was true so the guy that directed this movie or uh, made the movie that um that we're talking about here a lot of this was kind of autobiographical and so, like, he, he was rejected in high school and went into a depression and he wanted to do bad things to himself. And, you know, he started realizing how stupid it was. And, and so he started writing down all these ideas of how he would, you know, funny ideas on how he could die or whatever. And um, wow. so a lot of this is kind of personal. And so this, you know, Lane's mother, her experimental cooking was inspired by Savage Steve Holland's mother. That's the director. Um, no way. Who did the same? Yeah, who did the same thing? He said, "My mom would get McCall's magazine, and she would find these recipes and make th- make these things, and have some excuse as to why they didn't taste good, because she forgot something or she didn't have an ingredient." And uh, he said, one year for his birthday, not Christmas, she gifted him with some TV dinners. <laughs> she was like, "And I got you these really cool frozen dinners because you like peach cobbler in this one." That's awesome. <laughs> he was like, wow. He's like, wow, really? This is my life. All right. Um, <laughs> That's so funny. Okay. This one, this was just a little note that I found really interesting as well, because I always think about these things when I watch movies. So, kind of a subplot to this movie is the paper boy, right? And he yeah. is in there throughout the whole movie. And what does he want? Two dollars. Two dollars. Right. And, um, <clears throat> and so. That $2 that he would be seeking as of 2022, he'd be really seeking $5.44 for those newspapers. I just found that interesting. Uh, Still still less than all the costs of replacing all those windows, I bet. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's true. (laughs) Uh, One of my favorite movies is um, uh, Standing on the Edge of a Bridge, right? Yes. And Charles DeMar comes up and Charles DeMar goes, uh, oh, what are you doing? You know, this isn't the way to do this. This isn't for you and all this and that. And so he tries to give him a pep talk. So he's standing on, and this, this bridge is over a highway. <laughs> so he he gives him a pep talk, you know, gives him a good pat on the back, and he actually hits him off of the bridge. And he lands yeah. in a garbage truck. 
it cuts to these two dudes, um, you know, trimming trees uh, on the side of the highway. And but they're in like one of those bucket, uh, bucket things so they can get the trees up high or whatever. And yeah. uh, they go, Man, that's a real shame when folks be throwing a perfectly good white boy away like that. <laughs> I just thought that was super. That was one of my favorites. Uh, I love that line. Yeah. And then uh, back to Jenny Meyer, her cooking. And uh, she goes, There's another just uh, one of my favorite uh, quotes. And then she's like, I got the recipe from a magazine. The mail got wet in the rain. So some of the pages ran together. But what I couldn't read, I just improvised with my own little creative ideas. It's got <laughs> raisins. You like raisins. <laughs> and, uh, and then it just kind of slides and slides off of his plate after he kind of pokes at it for a minute. Um, but yeah, so, so good. Look, man, that movie is just absolutely remarkable. Absolutely love it. One of my all time so I will watch it about two or three times a year, no matter what. But yeah, I like that. I feel like they, I, they take an issue that is like uh, so relatable and then turn it up to 11. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Like it's not, none of us experience any of these things, but on a smaller scale, yeah, we can all relate to it. And I think that's part of what makes it awesome. Yes. I kind of wonder if it's one of those things that if I just saw it as an adult, if I would love it as much as like growing up with it because growing up with it you know so yeah. quotable so hilarious and it's so 80s like totally 80s so oh, it's, yeah. it's awesome yeah all right so the next movie i chose guys was another classic and this is perfect it was the princess bride okay yes um <clears throat> great movie great flick andre the giant i know y'all can't see it right now but dave got me this shirt that i'm wearing um with andre the giant on it saying anybody want a peanut um and if you've seen the movie you know why that's so funny um so dave thank you for that because i do wear it all the time actually um but yeah love the princess bride great movie great flick Nico montoya everybody okay so on this one i don't need to go too much into the actual movie itself this one i wanted to do more of um hey you probably didn't know this kind of thing during the filming all right so you all know andre the giant's a beast guy is just huge um, so big. During the filming on some of the scenes, the weather became so remarkably cold for Robin Wright, the one that played Buttercup, Princess Buttercup. And for those that don't know, Andre the Giant's name, who I will just refer to as Andre the Giant, but his real name was Andre Rene Rusimov. He helped her by placing one of his hands on over her head. His hands were so <laughs> large that one would entirely cover the top of her head, keeping her warm. So wow. Yeah. Um, have you seen the picture with Andre the Giant? I think it's Kareem Abdul Jabbar and then Arnold Schwarzenegger. No, dude, you but gotta I, find that. Maybe I'll find it online. But Arnold Schwarzenegger looks like Danny DeVito in that picture, like he's so small compared to these <laughs> other guys. It's crazy. So you keep talking and I'll look it up. No, no, it's funny you say that because there's a picture of um, I think it's Yao Ming with Shaq and The Rock, and The Rock just oh, looks yeah. yeah, 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 it's just like that, dude, yeah. And it's funny that you bring up Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm going to bring him up here in a second. Um, so the the man that wrote the book for the movie was William Goldman. He didn't really want this movie to be made because he didn't think that they'd be able to bring it to life how he envisioned it, which I'm sure every writer thinks that. But um, And so there was a lot of pushback and, you know, are they going to get it done? Um, but according to the author, when he first tried to have the movie made in the 70s, a then unknown 
Arnold Schwarzenegger wanted to play Fezzik. Oh, no way. Yeah, and he was strongly being considered uh, because Goldman could never get his first choice, which was Andre the Giant for the lead role. And by the time the movie was made, about 12 years later, Schwarzenegger was such a big star they couldn't afford him. And so uh, Andre was uh, ended up being casted after all, and, and the two big men had gone on to become friends. And so, you know, it's one thing for Andre Giant to say, anybody want a peanut? As opposed to, anybody want a peanut? You know? <laughs> picture anybody want a peanut? Being in that role. It'd just be weird. <laughs> and I'm sure... Oh, yes, I have seen that picture. Yeah, that's crazy. How it's tiny Will Chamberlain. Yeah, that's I had the name wrong. It's Will Chamberlain and then uh, Andre the Giant and Arnold, yeah. That is crazy. You know, you could never imagine other actors in these roles because they were just played so yeah. well. Yeah. Right. So, um, and then let's see. This was one of my favorite things. And there's two things I'm going to mention about Inigo Montoya, played by Manny, Mandy uh, Patakin. Um, in a 2012 interview in New York Magazine, um, Mandy Patinkin, I think I'm saying that right, uh, said that his most famous line from The Princess Bride, which this was 1987, y'all, he said, you know, hello, my name is Diego Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Um, he said that gets quoted back to him at least two or three times a day by strangers, and he oh, absolutely yeah. loves it. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Yeah, he loves awesome. hearing that line, and he also loves the general fact that he got that he got to be in that movie. So I thought that was super cool. And I got something else I want to share about him later that was just kind of looking back at it, helped you realize why he was so awesome in that role. Uh, Andre the Giant uh, called almost everybody on set, whether it be the director, producers, co-stars, or crew, he always called them boss. <laughs> nice. All of them. He called them all boss. And it was a technique that he employed to defer to people that he liked um and and go some way towards counteracting the way that they would that he would tower over them. Makes sense. I just thought that was kind of cool, man. Cool. All right. So also in order to create the greatest sword fight in modern times, Carl Eels, I know I'm not saying his name right, the one that played Wesley and the one that played Inigo Montoya, they trained for months with Peter Diamond and Bob Anderson, who between them, they had both been in the Olympics. They both worked on Bond. Lord of the Rings, Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark, and Star Wars films. They even coached Errol Flynn and Burt Lancaster back in the day. So every spare moment on set was spent practicing. And eventually, uh, when they showed Rob Reiner the sword fight for the movie, he was very underwhelmed. Even after all the practicing that they did, they, yeah, they, they were under, he was under, he was like, meh. And um, he insisted that it be a total of three minutes instead of just the one that they choreographed. So you know, they got back to it. They went back and forth, back and forth, added stuff to the scene to make it what it was. And um, and so they even watched more movies for inspiration. And they re-choreographed the scene and ended up with a three-minute and ten-second fight, uh, which took them a whole week to film that. Uh, all of the moves that they say, they're like, oh, you know, Beniti or whatever it was. You know, um, yeah. those were real steps that they were doing and real names of the steps that they were doing, too. And Oh, no way. Uh, wow. Yeah, so <clears throat> before filming... Wallace Shawn, you know him as Mr. Inconceivable. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, he had come to understand that he was the second choice for the part of Vecini. You will never okay. guess who's first, and I'm not going to make you try. Danny DeVito. 
What? <laughs> Danny Danny DeVito no. could do a good job still too. He would he like I love Danny DeVito. He's awesome. <laughs> but but that guy that played it, his voice is so good and there's so many yeah. things about it. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, and there was some confusion about whether DeVito was ever seriously pursued or not, but he became convinced that he was wrong for the role and in danger of being fired at any moment while filming. And he oh, was wow. extremely nervous throughout filming and, and uh, his co-star Wesley um, noted that he was visibly sweating like during the Battle of the Wits scene with the Iocane powder uh, <laughs> and said he said to Rob Reiner that he didn't feel he did he got the part because he wasn't an actual Sicilian. So, <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. Okay, so this might be the best Andre the Giant story I think I've ever heard in my life. So according to Wesley, Carl Yules, on the first day of filming, the scene where Inigo, Fezzik, and the mostly dead Wesley were on the little parapet looking down onto the castle grounds. And when they were planning to storm the castle, uh, director Rob Reiner said, let's film the rehearsal and see what happens. <laughs> right after Fezzik said the line, I guess not very long, uh, Andre let out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys, I'm sorry. This is so funny. No, you're good. Uh, Andre, Andre the Giant let out an incredible fart that lasted 16 seconds. Holy one <laughs> he said, I think it's better. He said, <laughs> the noise, it was so loud that it shook the plywood set of the parapet and made the sound engineer take off his headphones. <laughs> he, said, he said, during this, Wesley looked over to Andrew the Giant and swears he saw steam rising from his head. <laughs> he said, he said, after the described symphony of flatulence was over, a stunned silence came over the entire area. He said, Rob Ryder recovered from this and asked, hey, Andre, are you okay? He goes, to which Andre replied, I am now, boss. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, man. What if they have that on video somewhere? You know, that yes, would be where's so the outtake? Awesome. I need to see that. For real. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> All right. Um, so we were talking about other people that you know might have made this movie, might have made it into the movie. I can't remember what year, but I think it was in the eighties as well when the movie Airplane debuted. Yeah, um, early eighties. Another person that auditioned or wanted to play Fezzik, Dave just mentioned him on accident. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Nice. He was great in Airplane. Yeah, he uh, was. But he couldn't do it because of the NBA schedule. Guys, Prince of Bride's a great movie. The author, again, he had his own vision for this movie. The person that he wanted to play Princess Buttercup, Carrie Fisher. Oh, oh, oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also auditioning for Princess Buttercup was Courtney Cox. And she would have been pretty wow. young back then, so she might have been able to. And Meg Ryan yeah. also. Oh, wow. All right, so here's what you might not have known is that in 2010, they were talking about rebooting the movie with like famous stars and everything like that. Uh, I mean, we're talking uh, George Clooney, Antonio Banderas, Diego Luna, Kirsten Dunn, Zoe Saldana, Steve Coogan, wow. all these people. And it was going to have a budget of $80 million. I'm really glad wow. they scrapped it. That would have been terrible. Yeah. It's hard to mess with the classic. And I don't know if you saw it, but during, uh, during COVID, 
there were a bunch of celebrities that did different parts of it. Have you seen this video? It was only like five I've seen minutes that. long. Did you see that, Ben? Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty yeah, cool. It's worth looking up. Yeah, they do their their impressions and they're you know, some of them are dressed up pretty well, like it. Some of them are like not right, I think. Yeah. And uh to, it's I mean, pretty funny to watch. Yeah, yeah, I'll try to find it in Sentency for sure. Okay, but yeah, so like, two Princess final- Pride has the the humor, the action, the like suspense, the like I mean, even as a kid, some of it was kind of creepy. Like it had it all, man. It was so good. I always was scared of the fire swarm. Yeah, man, and those rats. Yeah. Yeah. The the rodents of unusual size is what they were called. Yes. All right. And so last but not least, I just want to finish this up with Inigo Antonio. There's so many great parts about this movie. There's so much more we could definitely talk about. But uh Mandy Patinkin, the guy that played Inigo Montoya, well, he revealed that acting out Inigo's quest to avenge his father's murder brought back memories of losing his actual father to cancer in nineteen seventy two. And he said Uh that when filming the scene, when Inigo kills the six-fingered man, he felt like he had just killed the cancer that killed his father. So that kind of makes that last scene, like, pretty dang cool. And, you know, his his search and how determined he was to find him, Count Rugen, it was pretty neat. So, yeah. And and that's why that movie will always be one of my favorites. And, um, you know, that's another one I don't mind watching a couple times a year. Someone wants to throw it on. It's so quotable. Such a great movie. As you wish. Great movie, guys. If you haven't seen it, definitely see it. It's a classic. That is a great oh, movie. Yeah. And everybody's yeah. seen it pretty much, it seems like. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. So great. Hey, thanks so much for listening to part one of this episode. Stay tuned for more fun in part two.